Chapter Sixteen of My Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to learn how to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. My Mark Twain by William Dean Howells. Chapter Sixteen. Clemens was oftenest at my house in Cambridge but he was also sometimes at my house in Belmont, when, after a year in Europe, we went to live in Boston. He was more rarely with us. We could never be long together without something out of the common happening, and one day something far out of the common happened, which, fortunately, refused the nature of absolute tragedy, while remaining rather the saddest sort of comedy. We were looking out of my library window, on that view of the Charles, which I was so proud of sharing, with all but my next-door neighbor, Dr. Holmes, when another friend who was with us called out with curiously impersonal interest. Oh, see that woman getting into the water! This would have excited curiosity and alarmed anxiety far less lively than ours, and Clemens and I rushed downstairs and out through my basement and back gate. At the same time, a coachman came out of a stable next door, and grappled by the shoulders a woman who was somewhat deliberately getting down the steps to the water over the face of the embankment. Before we could reach them, he had pulled her up to the driveway, and stood holding her there while she crazily grieved at her rescue. As soon as he saw us, he went back into his stable, and left us with the poor wild creature on our hands. She was not very young, and not very pretty, and we could not have flattered ourselves with the notion of anything romantic in her suicidal mania, but we could take her on the broad human level. And on this we proposed to escort her up Beacon Street till we could give her into the keeping of one of those kindly policemen whom our neighborhood knew. Naturally there were no policemen known to us or unknown the whole way to the public garden. We had to circumvent our charge in her present design of drowning herself, and walk her past the streets crossing Beacon to the river. At these points it needed considerable reasoning to overcome her wish and some active maneuvering in both of us to enforce our arguments. Nobody else appeared to be interested, and though we did not court publicity in the performance of the duty so strangely laid upon us, still it was rather disappointing to be so entirely ignored. There are some four or five crossings to the river between 302 Beacon Street and the public garden, and the suggestions at our command were pretty well exhausted by the time we reached it. Still, the expected policeman was nowhere in sight. But a brilliant thought occurred to Clemens. He asked me where the nearest police station was, and when I told him, he started off at his highest speed, leaving me in sole charge of our hapless ward. 
All my powers of suasion were now taxed to the utmost, and I began attracting attention, as a short, stout gentleman in early middle life, endeavouring to distrain a respectable female of her personal liberty, <laughs> when his accomplice had abandoned him to his wicked design. After a much longer time than I thought I should have taken to get a policeman from the station, Clemens reappeared in easy conversation with an officer who had probably realized that he was in the company of Mark Twain, and was in no hurry to end the interview. He took possession of our captive, and we saw her no more. I now wonder that with our joint instinct for failure we ever got rid of her, but I am sure we did, and few things in life have given me greater relief. When we got back to my house, we found the friend we had left there quite unruffled, and not much concerned to know the facts of our adventure. My impression is that he had been taking a nap on my lounge. He appeared refreshed and even gay. But, if I am inexact in these details, he is alive to refute me. End of chapter 16 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox, Winter 2006